Welcome back to Brailcast Extra. Coming up this time, Braille for Leisure, a breakout session at the recent Six Dots to Success World Braille Day conference recorded on Wednesday the 4th of January 2023. It's moderated by Fanula Murphy and hosted by Georgina Hollinshead and Paul Sullivan. I think we're probably ready to kick off now. Yeah, let's go. So I'll introduce myself. Uh, my name is George. Um, I use she, her, they, them pronouns. Um, and I am the equipment and low vision uh, and technology worker at CAMSITE, the local Cambridge Society. You've probably seen that in my bio. Um, I'm severely sight impaired. Um, a bit of a, um, a new a new uh, person to Braille. They did try and teach me at school, but <laughs> it didn't stick. But um, since lockdown, I found that um, it, it's been quite a, uh, uh, an easy thing to learn online. Um, so we might talk about that in a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, um, so I use it a little bit in my work and a little bit in my uh, non-working uh, time. I'm Paul, um, Paul Sullivan. I'm somewhat older than George, and um, I've been using Braille now for the best part, I guess, of 55 years. I've, I suppose I learned it at the age of about seven when I went to Linden Lodge School in London uh, as a totally blind child or almost totally blind child. Uh, like Peter, I had a twin brother who came along with me and and similarly has been a lifelong Braille user, still is, I'm glad to say. Um, yeah, and um, I suppose I use Braille in a number of different ways. I use Braille electronically, like Peter. I have a Braille display that I use with my telephone, and I also have Braille on paper. So I've got the old-fashioned Perkins Brailler here um, that many people will recognise makes a lot of noise and is very heavy, but it produces Braille on paper, which I can then sit and read on my lap which I'm doing here now. I've got a bit of a running order for this uh, workshop uh, under my fingers as we talk. Um, so I, one of the things I want to stress is that, you know, there's lots of different ways of accessing Braille and no one is better than the other. You use which one or more than one suits you. Right then, so that's who we are. What, what are we going to do? Oh, what do we want to get out of this workshop well for me i just really want to um demonstrate the the fact that it's, it's already been said several times and in different ways already that browse a fantastic tool for giving you control over your own life giving you options and enabling you to participate in things that you used to do if you've lost your sight or that uh, your other people around you and you care about are doing and um, so get back control of your life, keep control and, and have m many more options than you would have if you didn't have Braille. I'm, I'm like Peter, I'm in favour of audio. I use JAWS on my computer. I use a spoken word, talking books, all sorts of stuff. I use it all. And that's the thing. Braille's just one more tool in the kit. And it's a fantastic tool. So that's what I want to really emphasise today. What about you, George? I'd like to uh, emphasize the kind of um, DIY aspects of sometimes you have to think of uh, solutions to actual, you know, challenges that you might have. So starting out with the challenge of, the, you know, the, the leisure activity 
and then building from there where uh, braille may be an option either on its own or in conjunction with other um adaptions um and just to like give a bit of um you know some little handy tips and tricks that people might not be aware of or um you know just kind of um uh sharing our kind of our personal um uh ideas and things like that and everyone else's who's who uh so that there will be an opportunity to share uh later on i think definitely so i i guess we're going to take the next 10 15 minutes to just run through a few kind of areas where braille is really useful a few leisure activities that you can use braille for and how it can be um used and 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 what, what the benefits are and then we'll open it up for questions and discussion um because this is also as uh, Stuart has already said your chance to to interact and ask questions and make your suggestions we don't know it all by any means we want to learn from you too today so um should we go for it with, with um a short um run through of a number of different activities that that uh that we've identified and we think are important and uh see where we go from there the first one i want to talk about is is literature and literacy and peter's already made a very powerful case for being able to read Braille for yourself and Braille books, that is, you know, it does mean that you've got your own voice in your own head. You're not having that book interpreted to you by some other reader, uh, which, again, there's nothing wrong with. But but you, you have the option of being able to read for yourself if you can read Braille. And that's fantastic. And that's kind of obvious that being able to read books is 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 the useful thing to it's a good thing to do and braille enables you to do that um but also i want to make the point that it also enables you to read with other people um to study a book to join a book club maybe go along and, and read out aloud just like other people in the book club are reading passages from the book club and identifying bits that, that you know they want to share you can do that too if you can read braille it's much harder to do that if you're dependent on spoken word books or, or using a speech synthesizer on some, some device, even if you've got your Kindle there in front of you at the book group, you know, and you're listening to that mechanical voice, it's much harder to, for you to then sort of repeat it back in any sort of natural sounding way, which you can do um, with Braille. I think as well, depending on what you're reading, you may get a bit more context of things um, with with the actual being able to read the letters and the punctuation and things like that. I think that's a, a really handy thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I use Braille. I, I, I use Braille to read uh, Spanish. I've been learning Spanish for a long time. I'm no good at it, but I just enjoy doing it. And I couldn't imagine um, not being able to read it for myself hearing it spoken is great for getting the pronunciation and so on but for me just feeling the letters and the words under my fingers helps me to get it into my head in the way that a visual learner would learn from reading the, the letters I guess um, but the other thing about in thinking about books in general and sort of widening the aspect of, of uh, literature is like things like recipe books uh, you can't skim in in the way you can skim in, in print with audio but you can with braille so you can have a recipe book in front of you and be doing things and keep 
popping backwards and forwards, uh, reading the next line, going back to check you haven't missed something. In a way, it's very difficult for you to do with audio. You can do it with print, um, with, with Braille rather. Um, so, so Braille reading does give you the ability to take part in literary activities, I suspect, I, I suppose is what I want to say in terms of, uh, of Braille's power there and to be included in literary activities like book groups and so on is really um, just great for your social inclusion and you're, again, increasing your options um, for the things you can do. It also gives a flexibility in what in what you're looking for. You know, you can do it in different places, whereas, you know, if you're in a coffee shop and sometimes audiobooks aren't the best, but, you know, you can sit there and, you know, have a coffee and drink and read a book. And it's it's that kind of, um, uh, you know, back and forth that you could, um, you know, you wouldn't have other things interfering with, you know, you can have still have a conversation with somebody. Um, and it, 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 you're not closed off as you would be with an audio book or something like uh, that. Yeah, and, and I used to know somebody who was, who was a teacher, a blind man who taught in, in mainstream school, and he said one of the things that being able to read Braille gave him, uh, like when he was reading to his class, he could keep his head up. He didn't need to look down like somebody was looking down at the print, and it made the class think that he was looking at them, although... You couldn't see them. <laughs> People don't always add these things together. And so, yeah, he thought it gave him an extra kind of element of um, authority in the class because he could keep his head up uh, and his hands down on the print, reading it on, on the brow text. Um, we need to, to move on to a number of areas. So I want to just link another thing with music, uh, with, with, with literary activities. That is musical activities. It's very hard um, to learn pieces of music if you can't actually read them. And Braille gives you the opportunity to read music. Uh, you, there's a, a Braille music code. You can learn to, to read pieces and to play pieces from, from learning them in Braille. And you can take your words and your music along to your local choir and join in, uh, being able to read the words or read the music uh, just like everyone else. And again, it's, it's this thing about um, participation and widening your options, Keep being able to do the things you want to do having that control. But also on a much smaller level, on a musical note, I wanted to mention just labelling of music. I mean, all my CDs are labelled. So I've got hundreds of CDs. And if I want to find something, it's yeah, it's much quicker than, uh, than just putting the CD on and listening to it to find out what it is, because I've, I've labelled it in brow. I've stuck a bit of sticky tape on with some brow on that says what the CD is. So I can shuffle through all my CDs just like anybody else. Um, and I think labelling may be one of the things that comes up quite a lot. It's already been mentioned, I think, in the in the keynote that um, that brow enables you to identify things more easily, like medicines and so on. Yeah, I think you'll get sick. <laughs> you'll get sick of us saying and get a braille labeler because that it solves everything. So the next thing, which is kind of label adjacent, um, is um, games and board games and other kind of um social activities in 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 a way it's kind of linked to that you can play with other people you you know your ears aren't uh, you're not kind of um socially included in that kind of thing um i know people who play um 
Dungeons and Dragons who have a 20-sided dice that's all brailled up. It's a it's a little complicated to read, but it means that you can do that social thing. You know, you don't have to re rely on technology to roll a dice. You can just roll a dice. Um, and I also find that if you're, you know, if you're introducing somebody to Braille um, and they're maybe not confident or they want to use it more, that things like playing, playing cards, um, they, you know, not massive com complications with them, but you've got that, that, that one level of thinking um, in actually the game itself, the, the tactics, and then that other uh, level of, okay, so can I do this with Braille? Um, and that, that I found that personally was a, a really good way of practicing um, and also having that inclusion with other people um, and being able to do it as long as they don't cheat, which is <laughs> always a possibility. Well, that, of course, there's nothing to stop us cheating as well. I did know somebody who um, used to play uh, like old maids. So they'd run their fingers across the top and read Braille backwards. Um, and their family never never found out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you've made a really good point there, George. That that brows are fantastic way of uh, games are a fantastic way of practicing your brow. You know, you you can once you've mastered the alphabet and a few numbers, you can play a, a game with cards in braille. Um, and you know, I always say that brow is a skill. You have to learn it, and then you have to practice and practice and practice. And things like simple games where you're accessing braille in small bits like to read the number on a dice or to uh, read what a playing card is are great ways of reinforcing your braille knowledge and, and really getting it hammered into your head and again once we keep saying again there's two things i think are going to keep coming up today one is labeling and the other is is inclusion i mean that that i just remember as a child playing monopoly with my family and and with friends at school you know, and it was a DIY monopoly. We we just labelled it up ourselves. It wasn't. It wasn't. You could. I, there was one available from RNRB. I don't know if it still is a really nicely made one. It isn't. There is there is Braille Scrabble, which is great for spelling and you know practicing that because uh, you know if you don't use it. But um, I I got given a Scrabble not last year. Um, the, not last Christmas. The Christmas before. Well, Scrabble's great because you've got the tiles as well, and you can make your own. You can do different things. You can play Scrabble with them, but you can also just, again, use it for making small words, practicing. Things like uh, crosswords, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to DIY it. It's, it's also really nice that I found um, things like the Braille, uh, what's it called? Uno. You know, it's a really simple game and it's good to play kind of intergenerational. So, you know, you can play it with uh, small, my nieces and nephews I play with a lot. Um, and also, you know, grandparents who also may be losing their sight. It's that kind of, um, you know, cross-generational, well, everyone knows how to play Uno, let's just do it kind of thing. Exactly. So, so as we're saying, just to sum up, I mean, Braille's giving you the power to, to join in all sorts of things, literature, music, games, playing together with other people, joining in. Um, you were going to mention crafting, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just uh, just a bit of uh, background on myself is that, that I do a lot of crafting. I, I crochet. I I don't quite knit, but I do cross stitch. Um, and something like that is something that is a um, it's a repetitive action uh, that is very therapeutic. It's it, it's very um, it gives you that uh, personal achievement when you make something. 
Um, so the way that you can adapt that is by uh, obviously printing out, um, I call them recipes, I know they're not recipes, patterns, that's what I mean. Um, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, the patterns um, in the different um, actual options. So, you know, you, you can also get um, stitch counters that have braille on them so you don't forget your stitch at how many rows you've done or how many. So that's really interesting. I'll be interested to know in the discussion if people can remember whether patterns were available in the past from from organisations like RNIB or National Library or you know whether there were repositories of Braille patterns. Yes, I think they're there. Um, I think we used to get Braille patterns for knitting. I, I seem to remember them being around myself. Yeah. Not being a knitter, but uh, having been around people using them. Has anybody got any thoughts on, you know, um, if you're swimming, um, I can lose all track of time if I swim, you know, in the pool. Has anybody got any thoughts about, you know, how you can, you obviously can't take a real watch into the water, but does anybody know if there are such a, such a thing as a, any kind of waterproof timer? There are some kind of, um, you know, so like um, waterproof watches, like uh, for activities. And I think you can set alarms on them. So if, you know, you need to be out by a certain, and it, they will buzz, obviously not, you'd have to double check that they're the waterproof versions, but it is possible, I think. And it's interesting you raise the question of the time because it's a real bugbear of mine. That, you know, I, I talk about my watch being a braille watch. And my, I've got a tactile clock by my bed, and I call it my Braille clock. It's not Braille at all. It's just dots that are there to indicate time. But it's a great way, again, of just practising, using your fingers to identify dots, and like the two dots at the quarters and the one dots in between and things like that. When you're learning Braille, you know, you need to find all these opportunities to keep touching them, especially if you're, if you're newly visually impaired, because most visually impaired people like me that were born blind are used to using their hands all the time and touch things uninhibitedly but if you've been used to seeing that's not always the case and you need to find these opportunities that's really interesting i've never thought about that before and you know you do come across people who have lost their sight recently and they say you know i've never really thought about um encouraging someone to sort of um educate their their tactile skills and that's a that's a really interesting point i think as 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 well kind of coordinate i think a lot of people don't think about coordinating their touch and maybe what little vision they have left if they have any um i find this a lot, lot, lot at work that, that people say oh, well i can't see the keyhole and it's like can you feel it first and then you know coordinate with your you know your hands um and i think it's it's, it's very interesting to see people maybe read braille for the first time and they think they can't read it because their fingers aren't um you know they're not used to it so they think oh I can't I can't feel that I can't feel that and actually it does take time to learn it yeah yeah track tracking across a, a line of braille is is it's a skill and you need again you have to practice it and learn it and uh, like Peter I use two hands for that I feel for the beginning of the line with one hand and then I read across with the other. But, you know, all these things take time and you have to get find whatever opportunities you've got or you can find to uh, to practice, I think. 
I also think as well, it, it, it shouldn't just start completely, you know, it, you shouldn't be expected to read a whole book. It, it's amazing, but just tiny little notes or tiny little labels. We'll go back to the labels. But um, even with like a Braille slate, you can make, once you know the letters, and then you kind of learn how to do them backwards a little bit, you can learn to leave yourself little notes um, or little reminders and things like that where, you know, you might say, oh, well, um, I I was going to make a, a jumper. Oh, I've got a, a bit of a, um, you know, a knitting idea. I'll just make a note of that and I'll come back to that later or something like that where, you know, you can integrate it into the things that you're doing. Not, you know, not even just things. I know we've, we've just come past Christmas, but making at least just doing Christmas cards, you know, it's not exactly a, uh, like a leisure activity but it's something that you can do you know you can put some time aside you can take that time and you can just make the cards and then you know they're made from you and you know they're uh, uh, you know you can write on it as well and of course you've got browse brow is available in lots of different places and i was going to go on to briefly mention food and drink can i share something with the group please may i uh, talking about food and drink because in the last 18 months, um, we've been campaigning um, to have um, Braille labelling uh, on food uh, products. Because it seems to me in 2022, when technology is available and all sorts of things are available in Braille, not to be able to pop your hand in a cupboard and identify a product is crazy. Actually, all own brand products made by the co-op actually do have Braille on them. Obviously, this is not this is not full across. But if we show that support for them, you know, it may spread more rather than you know that kind of thing. Can I just come in and share something with you that we've actually been campaigning over the last um, eighteen months, and today the Scottish Parliament we've got a petition up and running in the Scottish Parliament in the hope because it's I don't sadly think it's going to happen without legislation the same as meds you know, had to happen with European law. In the meantime, I mean, most of your medications that you get from the chemist are, I have brow on them. Sorry, um, somebody's talking in the background. Yeah, Jane, I wanted to make a point about the medication. Go for it. So um, you get dates, expiry dates um, on, on various things. We've been trying to get um, dates put on them so that um, you know exactly when your medication expires because there's ones that are on the market. They've got the braille on the outside, but they don't tell you uh, when they expire and when you should stop taking them. And a lot of people are trying to get that happening because you need to know if it's, you know, if it's one off the shelf. Yeah. One of, one of the issues about labelling medications is the containers are often quite small and there's a limited amount. Brow is bulky. It takes a lot of space. Um, so you've got a limit. You've got a limited area where you can get it. And the, and the trouble is in lots of chemists, they put print labels over the brow as well, which is really annoying. And it's the case of, like Dave was saying, is advocating and educating people all the time about the importance of not doing that. And also with labelling, I find that the Dymo labeller to print Braille labels on is invaluable. I think it's a really good item. 
Yeah, I think, I suspect the Brailleist Foundation have probably done a masterclass in the past on brailing. And if they haven't, I think they will probably do one in the future because there are lots of different techniques for bra uh, for labelling. The Dymo is, is a good one. You, there's an adapter you can put in the Perkins brailler. I was a late learner, so from my point of view, I couldn't use a slate or anything like that. Yeah. I didn't learn until I was 18. The Dymo is brilliant because it, if you get the old Dymo gun, it's really clear and easy to use and you don't have to be able to press down four fingers at the same time and that sort of thing well so there is there is a label like that now which is really interesting it's available on the rnib which has the you know the six buttons um in your spacing if you need to if you're more comfortable in doing that um as well as the the obviously uh, <laughs> the this the enterprise the shape of the dymo i just want to reinforce the fact again that that you don't have to be brilliant at braille to be able to do the, these kinds of activities you know if you just know the alphabet and, and a few numbers you're you're you've got a, a start and you can begin to build on that well there's a few raised hands if uh that people have had their hands up for a little while would you like me to bring them in yeah do i think yeah generally i think we were kind of coming to a, a, a natural conclusion there <laughs> Jackie, I'll unmute you there if you want to go ahead if you have a question or a comment. Yeah, right. Um, well, I learned really, I lost my sight over 28 years ago. So I learned with Washi, the dog. Um, but it was grade one. And then, you know, many years passed and then lockdown happened and I took it up again out of sheer boredom because um, I wanted to do something new so that I, I can write it better than I can read it. but what what I struggled with was connecting the braille letters into words because I hadn't read print in well over the same nearly 30 years. So I struggled with that. And the, the pride I had when I read Panadol on a packet of medication. So it was and and then I, I an orbit fell off the back of a truck. So I picked it up and um and I connected then uh, my Kindle connected my phone to it and I went with Kindle and I kind of read a sentence, went to the audiobook of the same book to see did I get the right did I get the right words for for what I was doing. But I'm I'm an advert thing, I'm telling her, but it, even grade one braille, I can do lifts, I can read I can read medication packets and things now, what I couldn't do three years ago. You know, so it it is phenomenal. But it's giving you control again, doesn't it? Oh absolutely. Uh, uh, totally. And I love the word you said there, pride. I think Braille gives you pride. It gives you self-respect. You know, you can do these things for yourself. It's great having help, but it's fantastic when you can do it for yourself if you want to. Yeah, and then I was one of the lucky ones. I took part in the Heelville One Challenge with Sight and Sound, and I won a Heelville One, and I am in love with this device. Like, it's, you know, I can be I can be out in the street with my phone in my pocket, and it, it looks like a child's toy, so nobody has a clue what I'm doing. So I'm able to ring people, send text messages, reply to text messages, reply to emails on the move, which wasn't possible before. Like so, I was very lucky to to one one of those devices with a sight and sound challenge. Like it was, I was delighted. They're absolutely really good, and I don't know whether anyone else knows, but actually, I, uh, all the Apple products and some of the Samsung products do already have integrated Braille displays onto the on you know you just have to change the keyboards in the settings and you can it, it's a bit tricky to get the first time but once once you kind of have it um it's reasonably easy to do 
and that's actually really fun to the, the journey to actually be able to do that is really fun um uh, me and my partner spent a good afternoon having a go and, and testing it but I mean it, it's 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 accessible and it's there um I just don't think a lot of people know that it is there the braille screen input it's called yeah I find really slow <laughs> i'm not very good at it but it's there if you're oh it's it's perfect if you know what you're doing i use it all the time if i haven't got my displays on me i quickly w- turn it onto the browse screen but i can reply to a text uh, as quick as that it's fantastic if you can yeah brilliant and the buttons are bigger so actually it's it's, it's harder to go wrong what it does it tracks your fingers position so it doesn't actually matter where the buttons are on the screen it tracks where your fingers are landing and it means you can do it on the go as well, which is really, really great. Absolutely. It's great. Well, this is, this is again, illustrates the fact that, you know, there's, there's always all different ways of doing these things. There's no one right way. You do what works for you. And, and um, again, you get all the benefits of Braille, which is fantastic. I use Braille output from my phone. I say I've got an Orbit reader. Not an Orbit reader. I've got a Focus 14 uh, that I use mostly. Um, and to, to access Kindle books or read texts and all sorts of things. There's a few more raised hands there, Paul, if you'd like me to bring. Yeah, please do. People yeah. in. Julie Sutherland, you've had your hand raised there for a while if you want to unmute yourself. Hello, my name's Julie and I'm from Australia. Thank you for having me on this forum. Um, I really um, enjoy uh, playing cards in Braille and games and uh, also using Braille with tactile maps for bushwalking with friends. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, we're talking about Braille for leisure and, and getting out and about. It's a really important leisure activity. And if Braille enables you to carry on doing that and doing it in a meaningful way, it's fantastic. So tell us how you use the Braille on the maps. Um, well, I use, um, um, you know, the old-fashioned tactile maps. And uh, I'm able to um, have an idea of where I want to go with friends and go from there. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And I, I've, I think sometimes it's a, um, if sometimes if I'm doing, trying to illustrate a map or something like that, we found that Lego on Lego boards actually is a, a, a quick, it's like a quick and cheap way to, sort of describe how things are in a generalized way just to get the feel of those kinds of things um and uh me and my uh my team we we play dungeons and dragons and we've actually had some you know quite large fights with um you know with several opponents and um kind of things that have made that you know in combination with kind of verbally doing it and you know that kind of thing so um you know as as kind of uh it's accessible to all really okay any more questions for Nuala? yeah josie has a raised hand there this is a question that's slightly off topic a little bit but i'm really interested to hear you talking about grail slates um i'm a i'm a vi teacher and we don't typically um teach people to use a braille slate we we would usually use a perkins and then use um electronic braille how useful and or how easy do you find learning to write on a braille slate? I think once you know the letters, it's just 
giving that amount of time to actually flip them over. And there will be a bit of trial and error. But in terms of note taking, like if you're going to have just generalized notes of general things you want to talk about, having that small, um, maybe in, I think there's like a, um, a small note case you can have. Um, so actually, you know, speaking um, in, you know, in front of people, having those those kind of point, vague points that you're going to talk about, it's very handy. Yeah, I think Josie's question, though, is probably about how or the relevance of Slate, maybe to children. I think they're probably less relevant. If you're in school and you've got expensive Perkins Brailers provided or whatever, why would you want the Slate? You can make your notes on the Brailler. Well, yeah, the thing is quite a, quite a few of our kids are, are quite unwilling to use a Perkins because it's so loud. That's what I was going to say, the benefit of the Slate. There's a few benefits. One is they're cheap. Two is they're very portable, and three is they're very quiet. So if you can, you know, if you can encourage people to have a go with them, some people, I hate them. I've never got on well with them, and I've been a brainless all my life, but some people are really, really good at them. It's probably a case of what you're saying is just having lots and lots of options, and that's not an option. That's not an option that I have ever given any of my students, and I'm starting to think maybe I should. But you do have to write back to front, right? Yes. It takes a little bit of mental mental capacity to, but I think it also makes you think, uh, it makes you connect to the symbols. You know, it, it makes you say, oh, well, um, this this symbol is the opposite of this symbol. Okay, that's how I'm gonna connect them. I'm not, I'm gonna hopefully not get them confused, but it may happen. I wouldn't say in terms of time saving, I think a Perkins is quicker if you're, you know, you're doing something really quickly. Um, but if if someone's you know if someone has a thought and just wants to note it down, I I, I kind of compare it to like a, a post-it note. You know you, you're not going to put all your ideas down on it, but it might be there for for that purpose kind of thing. I think for young children it could be fun. The other thing I'd just add to that, George, is that again if you're travelling, if we were talking about we had a subheading of uh, travel. Um, you know, you can put a slate in your pocket and travel abroad and then you can use it anywhere on the move, which is hard to do with a Perkins brain up. Uh, what is it, six kilos or something? Indeed, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. No worries. And you can use it with any, you just need to look at the card and see whether the card is thin enough or thick enough. And that's also great for making handmade cards. Um, so either playing cards um, or, you know, if you're making, you know, handmade cards with, you know, in the in the whole crafting section with die cutters and things like that, then it's really good just to be able to print it in and it looks neat uh, rather than putting a label in on a, you know, on a card. Um, you know, it's, it's in, indelibly in that, on that card. Yeah, it's great for anything that doesn't fit in the Perkins, for small things as well. Yeah, that's a good point. You can probably get them into places you can't get a Perkins sometimes, yeah. Robert, I know you wanted to come in there a second ago if you want to come back in if you have a question or a comment. Yeah, good, good. Hello, everybody. I'm not sure what to say about morning, afternoon, evening. I'm in the U.S. and uh, I was so excited about this uh, conference that I got up at 3 a.m. to uh, to participate. Um, I'm a little bit like you, Paul. I, I'm a 60, I'm starting my 61st year of using Braille. 
Um, and I, I, I do love it, love it, love it. And I worked for 33 years as a university psychologist here in, uh, in the United States and uh, could not have done it. I don't see how without Braille. I could have, but it would have been much, much more difficult. Anyway, I just wanted to make two, two quick comments. I know we're very short on time. Uh, one comment is there's a very fascinating product available um, called the VersaSlate now, which allows one to write on a slate in sort of refreshable braille. And so you, what you write shows up on the back of the slate. You flip it over and read what you wrote. It's a great way to practice braille and a great way to take short notes that you only need to keep temporarily. Uh, the Versa slate is very interesting. It's a little bit expensive, but for someone who wants to get really uh, good at the slate and, and stylus, as we call it here, that's a great product. Um, and, and there are a couple of really great products, too, available if you uh, want to use a Braille keyboard on your smartphone, but uh, don't want to, are not able to, or don't want to use the touchscreen that we've already been talked about, uh, one's from Orbit Research called the Orbit Writer, which is little Braille Bluetooth keyboard, and there's another one called the Hable One, and those are really great products for people who want to use Braille input on their smartphones and so forth. Thank you much. Oh, thank you for that. I'm just having a look at that versus slate. It looks, uh, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard of them. I've never come across one. But again, thanks for joining us and thanks for getting up so early to do it. Jennifer, I know you've had your hand up there for a while. If you'd like to unmute yourself. Oh, hi. Um, I, I run a Braille group for in Hanley in Stoke-on-Trent uh, for adults who want to learn Braille. Uh, I'm, uh, something we do a lot of is playing card games, actually, you know, and um, Hontoon, because I think it uses quite small amounts of Braille. Uh, and it's it's quite a social activity and reasonably, you know, age appropriate. I wonder if people do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Hanley Dutt, sorry. Um, I'm from, I'm originally from Derbyshire, so I'm quite familiar with Hanley. Um, and yeah, I, I find it, it's a great kind of, there's no pressure intro because everyone's just playing cards. You know, you, you just sit back in a comfy chair and it, you just kind of get into it. Um, and I think for people who may be a little bit, um, you know, cautious about Braille, it's definitely a more social way of just saying, get in and have a go, you know. We do a game called Left, Right and Centre, uh, sometimes with chocolate as the prize. Chocolate as the tokens. The group need a lot of biscuits and chocolate to keep going. So that's, I mean, it's not a lot of skill in it, but um, we do that. Um, left right and center where you, you if you 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 move your token to the left right and center i don't know if you know the game but um it, it's a bit boring if you pay it for too long but chocolate always helps okay great thank you this is terry from the united states <laughs> i don't know that we've mentioned um using basic braille for reading elevators and hotel rooms yes Absolutely. Um, we, we, had, we had a huge list of things that we were going to talk about. And absolutely, travel is definitely in there. But yeah, that's absolutely another good point um, that you can, you can have that independence uh, when you're going on adventures and going to new places that you might not know. And definitely, at least finding the lifts, elevators, um, and, you know, being able to just find where you need to go is just so invaluable and having that choice whether you want to use the um 
the lifts or the stairs, but also having signage, having that signage additionally for places such as train stations. And I'm not going to talk about the trains at the minute, but. (laughs) (laughs) We probably need to wrap up now. So thanks, George, for running this and uh, helping out with the the discussion and, and uh, thank you for thank you for uh, bringing your your years and years of knowledge because uh, I feel I'm a little bit of a cheater coming in a, a bit last minute with this kind of thing. No, no, everyone's got something to contribute, and thanks to everybody that's taken part. It's, it's been really interesting and inspiring. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast Extra. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailleists everywhere on your smart speaker. For the latest information about future Brailleist events and how to join live, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at braillists.org slash newsletter slash sign up. You can also visit our events page at braillists.org slash events. If you have comments on this recording or suggestions of topics or guests for future events, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. We welcome new listeners and live participants alike. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. Six Dots to Success is presented in collaboration with Sight and Sound Technology Limited on the web at sightandsound.co.uk or sightandsoundtechnology.ie. Additional costs are defrayed by an Activate Fund of the Churchill Fellowship on the web at churchillfellowship.org.